Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Weekend was good. Weekend was good. A bit of weather change here. It's um, still chilly, but uh, it was beautiful this weekend. There was not a cloud in the sky. Today it was very rainy and drizzly, you know. I feel like uh, it's one of the, it's that time, right, where you're you're ready for um, winter to go away and you're ready for spring to appear. Right, yeah, you're ready ready to uh, to move on, put winter behind you. But it looks like a bunch of the country is going to get some snow this week, so uh, uh, bundle up, you know, everyone. If you're in in one of those areas, I don't think we will fare too poorly in it. But did you get up to anything this weekend? Did you uh, did you watch any movies or uh, drink anything good or? I did. I finished season three of Yellowstone. Okay. Which um, is very near and dear to my heart because it's all about a ranch set, you know, near Yellowstone. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there's beautiful footage of the mountains. Every time I watch it, I start looking at property in Montana and then realize that it's all a billion dollars. But um, right, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a really great series. Um, It's Kevin Costner is in it. Um, mm-hmm. he kind of plays this patriarch and it kind of reminds me of like sons of anarchy, um, <laughs> you know, okay, Sopranos, okay. <laughs> which sounds kind of strange, but it's, it's, you know, he is really trying to hold on to this really big ranch. I mean, and it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, something like thousands of acres and sure. bunches of people want to take it from him because it is the most beautiful place on the planet. And so a lot of people want to build housing developments or airports or something. And so, it's really good. I highly recommend it. If anybody really liked Sons of Anarchy, The Sopranos, Ozark, that kind of intrigue where you're rooting mm-hmm. for the bad guy because, okay. and, you know, the bad guy is still kind of likable, but he breaks a lot of laws, <laughs> right. you know, um, but you're rooting, you're rooting for him anyway. It's uh, it's good. So I okay. finished that up. I binged it. Okay. And that, that one's on Amazon. Is that right? It's actually on Peacock. You can get it now for uh, okay. free. On the free peacock, which is awesome. Okay, yeah, that's good. Uh, we didn't uh, do too much. We we're getting our uh, kitchen cabinets repainted this weekend, so spent most of that time kind of pulling everything out of all the kitchen cabinets, and you realize how much stuff you have. Um, so we did that, but we did have a chance to sit down and uh, watch a movie. We watched Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom um, on Netflix, which was which was really good. We are working our way through kind of the uh, the early kind of Oscar list, so so that was next up on the list to watch. So. We watched that one. It was it was really good. Viola Davis was excellent in it, and Chadwick Boseman, of of course, was was really good. So um, I would definitely recommend checking it out, especially if you have Netflix. It's pretty short. It's just over an hour and a half, I think. So so it's not going to take up a bunch of time. So definitely uh, check that one out if you're if you're uh, looking to see some some good acting and get a head start on your Oscar picks. But I did also have a good drink. Um, if you look on our uh, Instagram, I posted a picture of it, but I made myself a Manhattan. Uh, which was excellent. So I would I would definitely recommend uh, making one of those while you're watching it. And uh, just thinking about it reminds me that I could definitely go for a drink tonight. What about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, any day that ends in Y is a good day to drink for me. That's right. And and as we mentioned earlier, it's still kind of a, still kind of winter, uh, working our way towards spring, uh, looking like six weeks of winter still. So I think I could go for something that uh, reminds me of a sunset in Rome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I have just the thing. So um, 
Let's take a quick break. We can start the day over and we'll be right back to talk about this week's drink. All right. Sounds good. This week's drink must be a popular one because Phil orders dozens of these for himself and Rita when he's trying to create her perfect, like how to get and seduce her date at the bar of the Pennsylvania hotel. It's none other than sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. That's right. Yeah. Uh, sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist. That's the, uh, the drink of this uh, week. Uh, Michaela, are you uh, familiar with uh, sweet vermouth at all? Is that something that you, that you normally keep on hand or? <laughs> no, um, I did grow up with sweet vermouth because I had a grandmother. And okay. so to me, um, before trying it, I really thought that it was an old woman drink, which sort of fits the premise of Rita. She's kind of a classic, you know, sure. um, okay. kind of, I don't know if she, she's older, but she was very, it just seemed to fit her. So I, I'd never tried it before, you know, mm -hmm. we, we tasted it for, for the movie. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's definitely something I have on hand all the time. So if, if you're not familiar with vermouth, it's basically just, a a slightly uh, fortified wine and it has a bunch of like herbs and damp bark and spices and things uh in it like bark. quinine and quinine and vanilla and and that sort of thing so it's um Toasted it's got kind of this, got kind of this got kind of this herbally thing it's uh it comes from France and you're supposed to just have a little like nip of it you know kind of after dinner is like a like a aperitif kind of a kind of a thing but I always have a bottle on hand as I mentioned earlier I had a Manhattan it goes in that it goes in uh, one of my other favorite cocktails in Negroni. So I think it's definitely worth having having on hand. Um, uh, we made the drink this week, and I have to say, I was not expecting to like it, uh, but I actually liked it quite a bit. Um, what did you think about it, Michaela? Yeah, I found it to be really delicious, and it's super simple because it is, you know, three ingredients, really. Mm -hmm. You put some ice in a glass, mm -hmm. you know, get a twist of lemon. I prefer just to use the lemon rind, um, so I rind it and I kind of let the oils, I twist it so the oils kind of come out and mm -hmm. pour the vermouth right on over it. And I thought it was absolutely uh, delicious. I remember the first time I took a sip, I thought, oh my gosh, Rita was dead on. Uh, mm -hmm. Who could not like this? Why did I think this was like an old woman drink? <laughs> and uh yeah, they go down real easy. So you got to be careful because it is fortified wine. It's kind of port-ish, um, mm -hmm. but very herbal, as you've said. So um, yeah, just be careful because, you know, a couple of them will put you down. Right. And, it, um, you know, there's there's just a bunch of different uh, vermouth, you know, brands out there. The one that we used was called uh, Boissier. Boissier. Uh, my French is not very good, kind of like Phil's isn't at the, at the uh, start of the film, but that was the one we used. And I like that one probably the best of, you know, the couple that I tried because I had a couple, um, like I said, on hand here for um, just some other cocktails and things, but I like that. And I think um, even some places here in the U.S. are starting to to make them kind of your local distilleries and things. So, um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's super simple to make. I liked it quite a bit. Kind of a nice uh, lower ABV uh, drink. So if you're, you know, normally having, you know, a, a whiskey or like a gin drink or something, um, I think the vermouth's only like 19%. ABV, so it's a little uh, lighter in alcohol than, than you know, having just a regular cocktail. But yeah, it went down really easy, and like I said, I was really impressed with it. So that surprises me. I guess it shouldn't surprise me. It's more than wine, though, so I can't have mm -hmm. you know six of these. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, perhaps don't, that's the problem. Yeah, don't don't have a bottle's worth of these for right, sure. But right. but but you could have one or two, and uh, uh, definitely something you know, kind of after 
after dinner, um, just being an aperitif. So it's going to be really good. So, so yeah, so give those, give those a try. And now that we've got uh, Rita's drink order, you know, set to go for her perfect date, why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about Groundhog Day. Spoiler warning for Groundhog Day. If you've not yet seen Groundhog Day, press pause, go get a sweet vermouth on the rocks with a twist, set your alarm for 6 a.m., start the day over, and come back and we can chat about it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, Groundhog Day came out on in February of 1993. And it was directed by Harold Ramis, and it stars Bill Murray and Andy McDowell. Uh, Harold Ramis and Bill Murray have a pretty long uh, storied history together. Harold Ramis obviously is... Uh, acted and uh, wrote uh, Ghostbusters, which they were both in, um, which everyone knows. But Harold Ramis wrote a lot of comedies kind of in the late 70s, early 80s. They didn't do quite as many into the into the 2000s before he passed away. So. Yeah, they. Um, this was their last kind of partnership. And the filming did not go as well as could be expected. I guess they had a, they had a major falling out, actually. Um, oh, okay. after, after this film and they didn't speak for oh, oh, 20 years um, but they did make peace right before Harold Ramis passed away and so if you ever go back and you watch the memorial to Harold Ramis that they do um, during the Oscars mm -hmm. and Bill Murray is there to kind of memorialize his friend it's actually really quite touching knowing that you know this was their last film that they collaborated on together and there's you know I think Bill Murray it was said that he was going through a divorce at the time so he was kind of dealing with his own stuff and so when Harold would give him direction he would say look am I good Phil or am I bad Phil just tell me you know good Phil bad Phil which one do you want right to sure and um but it's interesting because Harold Ramis, you know he was Egon for the, anybody that doesn't know in the mm -hmm. Ghostbusters and so yep. He he's got this amazing comedic timing. And so, you know, they worked really well together and they picked Harold Ramis helped pick really great characters and actors to kind of work alongside Bill Murray in this movie as well. Mm -hmm. And it's I mean, it's pretty funny. Some of the moments that they have. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I'd be curious to know, like if if Harold Ramis, you know, kind of wrote uh, these parts for Bill Murray, did they have just kind of a, a similar, you know, comedic timing and kind of a same sense of humor? Um, but I, I mean, he wrote uh, Caddyshack, he wrote uh, Meatballs, he wrote Stripes, and then obviously he wrote Groundhog Day that all, you know, starred Bill Murray. So I yeah, actually, it sound it from the research that I've done, Tom Hanks was up for playing this role. So was Chevy Chase, John Travolta, believe it or not. Steve Martin, um, but Harold Ramis thought that they were just really nice and he needed someone that was going to be kind of a dick. And we all know Bill Murray is like the best at being this charming jerk, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, I think he definitely, you know, fell back onto Bill Murray, but I, you know, as a, as a go-to for this. And there are a couple of scenes that Bill Murray actually, you know, kind of does these impromptu ad-libs that they end up keeping in the movie. Mm -hmm. But um, it really works because you'll see some of the other folks. He plays really great against Rita, who is so straight laced and kind of a good girl. And, you know, right. she's very from the South and, you know, she drinks old woman drinks that happen to be delicious, but they, their timing is really great. And I think that, you know, Harold knew 
when he ended up casting him that it was going to work eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so why don't we get straight into the film here? So it's going to open up and uh, you find out kind of Phil's uh, profession right away. And it opens up with uh, him saying, a lot of people ask me, Phil, if you could be anywhere in the world that you want right now, where would you be? And he kind of is pointing at just this blue screen into Southern California. And you just see him kind of kind of going back and forth, you know, kind of giving these little quips about the weather, you know, kind of all over the U.S. You know, it's going back and forth where you're seeing him just against the uh, blue screen and then you know, what you'd see on television with the, with the map there. He's, you know, kind of given the weather report. Um, you know, some people are concerned about a big storm coming in through the, uh, through the Western Pennsylvania region, which is uh, where they're at. But he's, you know, says there's uh, no reason to worry about that because we're off to Punxsutawney for uh, the Groundhog Day celebration there. Um, and he goes on to uh, tell his uh, co-anchor there that it's the uh, fourth year in a row that he's going. Fourth year in a row. And for anybody that doesn't know, uh, Punxsutawney is a real town. Mm -hmm. Uh, They really have Punxsutawney Phil, which is a groundhog. And they have a ceremony every Groundhog Day where the groundhog, you know, looks and sees if it can see a shadow. And if it can see a shadow, that means six more weeks of winter. And if it doesn't see a shadow, then that means we're going to get an early spring. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, Now, this is primarily a a thing kind of in the you know, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, kind of up where the German uh, settlers came, because I think that's where the uh, kind of this uh, legend comes from. Um, I'm from Ohio, and we have our own groundhog. It is Buckeye Chuck, and he resides in Marion, Ohio, which is where I'm from. Uh, so I believe that Buckeye Chuck is the superior of the groundhogs for sure. Uh, now, Michaela, you grew up out west. Was Groundhog Day like anything? Did you talk about it? Or I do remember talking about it in like grade school and when I was like five or six years old. It was just a day on the calendar. It was a day on the calendar. I don't really, I don't know if Montana has um, groundhogs. I don't know. We have otters and that's kind of the same thing. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But no, it was just a day. We never had a thing. So did you like go to, did Marion have a city center where you went and there was like a ceremony? Well, so we, we did not have the big uh, town center like they do here in uh, Pakistani that you see on the on the picture. But I do remember um, because it most often um, it's February the 2nd. Um, so most often would fall like on a school day. But I remember they would um, kind of make a big deal about it. And there would be like a, a special like radio like program and things where they would they would do. And we would listen to that in the in the mornings when they do it. Right. Because it's kind of first thing in the day to see if he when he wakes up, if he sees his shadow or not. But but yeah, so uh, Marion, Ohio, uh, Buckeye Chuck. Uh, Interesting. Punxsutawney Phil. Um, if you're well, from Punxsutawney, I, I apologize. Well, and it's worth saying, saying that the Punxsutawney that you see and Gobbler's Knob that you see in mm-hmm. the movie is actually Woodstock, Illinois, because oh, okay. Punxsutawney, they didn't think was cinematic enough to their cinem- their city center was not as pretty or to to film so they actually filmed this in woodstock illinois and they filmed it in the summer so everybody is wearing coats and they had shipped in they had to ship in snow and if you look people are actually really warm because it's like 90 degrees and they're still you know all wrapped up as if it's like freezing cold outside so interesting fun fact yeah so so you definitely get, uh, you get the uh, indication here that Phil's not very excited about going to Punxsutawney. You know, he's, uh, he's ready to strike it out. He tells um, uh, one of his coworkers there that, you know, there, some major networks are interested in me. Um, you know, I have to go to this, you know, this little uh, 
town and and cover this thing i have to go with the new uh producer here uh who's rita who's played by andy mcdowell um and you see her she's just kind of clowning around on the blue screen he's like yeah i need to get out of here this is uh this is amateur hour and my uh my pittsburgh tv station i i need to get out of here so yeah well and rita she's kind of a salt of the earth very you know you, you can tell she she's very characteristic of uh characters that annie mcdowell has played in the in in her you know career so mm-hmm. she's very nice she loves the story she does this really cute they're in the car on their way from pittsburgh up to punxatani and she does this oh it's so sweet you know he pokes his little head out and he sees his shadow and then it's you know it's really cute people like it and you know and, and phil doesn't have any patience for that he's like people are morons it's horrible yeah, people also yeah. like blood sausage it's so stupid and then she's like i like blood sausage which I have no idea why she would like website because it's disgusting. I mean, I don't know. My husband. Yeah, likes it, yeah I'm not a, not into blood sausage, but but yeah, it's, they're they're kind of driving off. You can you can see that you know that Rita's excited. This this is probably kind of her first big story that she's covering. You know, kind of new new to the to the station there. But they're going to get into uh, Punxsutawney and they pull up to the hotel. Um, and Phil gets out. You know, he's he's curmudgeonly about you know kind of everything about this this whole ordeal and he just says yeah, this this hotel is terrible i'm not going to stay here it's like a like a flea bag hotel and they sh- they show the hotel and it's very beautiful it's not a real hotel by the way but <laughs> right um, right yeah so but you know rita's kind of kind of prepared i guess people have tipped her off as to what kind of person phil is so she's like we're staying here you're gonna go i got you a very nice bed and breakfast um so you're gonna go there and phil's like oh okay well well thank you and they they invite him out to dinner but he turns it down he's like no i just want to want to go and go to bed and get this over with so i can get back to uh, Pittsburgh. and he makes the mistake i mean this is perfect right be careful what you wish for so he's in this bed and breakfast and he sets his alarm for 6 a.m which we he will come to rue i'm sure Mm -hmm. and so he wakes up on the morning of uh groundhog day Sonny and Cher are singing I Got You, Babe, on the local station. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they think bad weather's coming. He goes downstairs. He talks to this very nice lady who's the bed and breakfast kind of maitre d'. And they say, oh, there's a talk of a blizzard. And he gives his spiel that he gave the day before. You know, he says, yeah, there's moisture is going to come in from the south. It's going to, you know, push off all the way over to the west. It's Mm going to be fine. We're not going to get hit. It, you know, I'm getting out of here. Like she wanted to make sure that she had space for him in case he wasn't going to depart that day. And he's like, nah, I'm getting out <laughs> sooner the yeah. better. Yeah. He's, he's really kind of gruff with her. He gets down, gets down there and she offers him a coffee and he's like, well, do you have uh, you know, a cappuccino or espresso? And she's gives him a look like, no, there's, there's coffee. And he's like, fine, I'll take that. And then she asks him, you know, about the weather. And, and he, like you said, he, gives her his whole spiel and and then he says well did you want to talk about the weather or did you just want to chit chat you know he's he's totally annoyed uh totally totally a jerk and that's going to be kind of a recurring theme for phil here uh throughout the throughout the majority of the film but right uh, but he gets he gets his coffee and he and he heads out for the day yep and he uh along the way to gobbler's knob which is like this super cute little city center um, mm-hmm. that apparently is in Woodstock, Illinois. Don't go thinking that it's the same one if you go to Punxsutawney. Well, I don't know. I don't know if they modeled it after there is that Gobbler's Knob is where they do the the thing. So I would guess that it's probably a pretty close recreation of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But he's walking along and this guy stops him, who I guess he knew from high school. Mm-hmm. And 
I, did you have anybody that you knew like this that was this annoying? Because he just will not let you speak. This guy, his name is Ned Ryerson, mm-hmm. and he remembers Phil. And he's like, Ned, I, you, you don't you don't remember me? I'm Needle Nose Ned, Ned the Head. You know, mm-hmm. and Phil is just completely annoyed. And um, Ned now sells life insurance and um, Phil just has no patience for it. And he kind of leaves him uh, in, you know, on the sidewalk. And then he steps into the road and he um, steps into the biggest pothole I've ever seen. Yeah, all the way up to his knee almost. Just this, uh, this slushy, icy, gross, uh, gross pothole he steps in, you know. And, you know, Ned's, you know, says, uh, watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Uh, he does finally get to the festival, though. And, you know, Rita's so excited. She's like, oh, it's it's so wonderful here. She's like, all of the townspeople are here. They're coming out by the, by the bond or fire to warm up. And then they go back and they're they're celebrating. And then they get cold and they, they come back to the, to the bonfire to warm up again. And uh, maybe my favorite line, Phil says, yeah, they're hicks, Rita. That's what they do. <laughs> Yeah, this is not a big deal. Okay, let's just get this over with. And, you know, he gives, you know, this, you know, it's not a bad, it's not a bad broadcast, but he's like, hey, you know, how's Punxsutawney Phil feeling today? Does he feel lucky? What's happening? And, you know, the mayor of uh, Punxsutawney comes out and they, you know, they've got this little uh, cane and they wrap on this door that looks like Phil's little I don't know. I guess it could be a cage. I get he doesn't stay there year long. So they put him in and then mm-hmm. they shut the door and he, you know, they come out for this. Kind of looks like a stump thing. Yeah. They, uh, and they knock out. on it and then they open the doors and then they bring him out and, sh- you know, kind of hold him up all Lion King style to the other, mm-hmm. you know, to the people. And then they whisper in groundhog language, you know, and I guess yep. he tells them mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And what's interesting in this is that once, um, if you look closely, the mayor of Punxsutawney is actually Bill Murray's older brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And uh, he's, um, he's also the one that's doing the uh, news report on the radio. And then uh, we'll meet him again uh, later in the, the film as well. But yeah, his his brother there is kind of this uh this town crier kind of a kind of a guy that's doing this this uh, right. Groundhog Day celebration. So they pull him out. Punks Tony Phil sees his shadow, which means six more weeks of winter. You know, much to everyone's uh, chagrin. And then uh, Phil's off to do kind of his uh, follow up news report and you know tell everyone how thrilling it was and and things. You get <laughs> you get the you get the feeling that uh, Phil has done this four times and all four times has been uh, very similar to to the last. So yeah. Yeah, but fortunately for him, he the news reports over and they're uh, heading back out of town. He's uh, headed back home, but you know, the snow's coming in. You know, the the weather guy should have uh, should have forecasted that, but he did not. <laughs> he did not. Yeah, they end up on this road and there's like a semi jackknife in the street. It's mm-hmm. freezing. It looks so cold, and so he's like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm going to get out of the car." So there's this pile up of, of vehicles. He gets out and he goes and talks to this police officer, and the police officer says, "Yeah, we're closing the road. We're getting a blizzard." And he's like, "It's not a blizzard. It's a little snow. There's some flakes. You know, we're going to have some moisture come up from the south, and then it's going to move to the east. It's going to be fine. I make the weather. I make it." And he's so mad, but they mm-hmm. have to turn right back around and. Um, and he's trying to get an outside line. You don't know who he's trying to call, but he's trying to get a long distance line and he can't get one. And so he ends up, you know, staying 
I guess at the hotel and they all go to the bar and Larry and Rita invite him for dinner again. And he says, no, absolutely not. He goes back to take a shower. And of course it is freezing and it is an old bed and breakfast. So there is no hot water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's one of my favorite scenes because he goes and he asks like the, the mater D lady again, he says, mm-hmm. do you have hot water? And she's like, oh, well, no, not today. And he's like, of course not. Why was I, why would I think that you would have hot water? I'm mm-hmm. shocking, you know? Oh, it's so funny. That's but right. uh, he goes to bed mm-hmm. and wakes and up. At 6 a.m. To Sunny, Sunny and Cher. Sunny and Cher. The uh, news report comes back on. It's the same one that he'd heard the day before. And he kind of gets out of bed. He's looking out the window. It's the comment that uh, these idiots on the radio, they're playing their same tape from yesterday. You know, he pulls open the curtains, expecting to expecting to see all all the snow from the snowstorm, but the uh, the streets clear and people are out walking on their way to uh, Gobbler's Knob, and feels a little perplexed. So he goes out out of his room and down, and everything is kind of playing out the exact same way that it that it had the uh, previous day. Yeah, yeah. So he he runs into uh, the Mater D lady, and she's like coffee, and he's like, no, 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 I'm just gonna leave. And then, you know, Ned Ryerson finds him again in the middle of the street. He steps in the ginormous pothole again in the middle of the road. He gets to the gobbler's knob and he asks Rita to slap him in the face because he's, he's really beginning to feel very strange because everything is the same. No one remembers the day before. It's not like everyone's relived this and he knows what people are going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so she totally slaps him in the face. And then he gives this new kind of, uh, you know, broadcast where he's like, it's Groundhog Day again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What is happening? Yeah. So they, they go through, uh, he does his news report, um, plays out the same exact way as it did before he goes, takes a shower, cold water again. Um, still no, he's trying to make the phone call this time from his bedroom. Uh, can't get through because the phone lines are down. And uh, he wakes up and it looks like he stayed up until about 4 a.m., that time I don't know if he was he was trying to stay awake. He didn't didn't know what was happening, but but falls falls asleep and the alarm goes off. Six a.m. again, Sunny and chair again. Yeah, and the night before he actually took a pencil that he was writing with and broke it in half to see if it would be broken the next morning. And of course, the next morning he can't even find it. But when he does find it, it's perfectly fixed. Mm-hmm. And so he then rushes out of uh, the the bed and breakfast finds the puddle and he does, he tells, he goes to tell Rita and Larry, he says, I can't do this. I'm not doing this day. I'll meet you in the diner. And they're like, oh my gosh, are you sick? What's happening? Right. And so Rita meets him in the diner. He tries to explain it to Rita and she is not understanding at all. She's like, you need to get your head examined, go to a doctor, go to a psychiatrist. This does not make any sense. Yeah, I think and- you're nuts. Yeah, and in fairness to Phil, like I don't even know where you would begin to explain that to someone and not make yourself and not make yourself sound like a crazy person, right? Like I'm just living the same day over and over. You don't don't know what, but I she's you know sounds like you're having a, a mental break, so you need to go to the doctor uh, and get your head examined, or you need to go to a psychiatrist. So you know, so, and I don't know if 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 Punxsutawney actually had great psychiatrists. I mean, it didn't. You know, there's not, I don't know how much the talent pool of psychiatry, high-end psychiatry um, mm-hmm. would be there. So the person that he chooses, 
um, doesn't really get it either. And I don't know if it's because um, he just doesn't understand or what, but it's a pretty funny scene because he tries to explain it. Mm -hmm. And the psychiatrist says, well, let's, let's, let's try and meet tomorrow. Mm -hmm. let's make an appointment and meet tomorrow and he's and phil is like well this is going nowhere you know or, yeah he yeah he sees the psychiatrist he sees sees the doctor and you know he takes some x-rays of him and the doctor is played by harold ramus but he's kind of going over these x-rays on it and he's like he's like i don't see anything he's like but if you wanted something more thorough you're going to have to get an mri but we don't do that here you'll have to go to pittsburgh and he's like i can't get to pittsburgh because the storm's coming and I think, and I think the doctor's like, and the doctor's like, I don't think the storm's coming, or I heard the storm wasn't coming, or, or something. You know, it just kind of gets gets thrown back in his in his face. So he's been to see the doctor, um, he's been to see the psychiatrist. They were no help. Um, he's going to get stuck here again. So, uh, what do you do? I guess you go to you, you don't go to a bowling alley. Yeah, you don't want to you don't want to hang out with Rita. And if you're in uh, Western Pennsylvania, you definitely go to a bowling alley because that's what they got there. That's um, what they have. So, so yeah, so he's at the at the bowling alley and he's just he's kind of nursing a drink and he's like, I one time I went to the Virgin Islands with this lady and we were drinking pina coladas at the sunset and made love all night. And he's like, Why couldn't I get to do that day over and over? Again? Why couldn't that be the day that I get mm. to relive? And these two guys, kind of the the I guess the bowling alley alley drunks are kind of sitting there with him and they're all getting completely shit-faced right and they're like well you know if there was no tomorrow i mean there's no there's no consequences we could do anything you know mm -hmm. and so they to their credit you know they try to they try to get in their car they're both totally drunk it, i mean as dejected as phil is he does not let them drive drunk and he drives them and mm -hmm. so he and he you know reminisces a little bit he's like well what if there were no tomorrow and they're like ah you could do anything and so they drive through a mailbox they get chased by cops you're driving down the railroad tracks trying to have this kind of philosophical discussion and they're like super drunk and mm -hmm. he uh he ends up in jail that's right yeah the the police uh pull him over he ends up in up in jail but then you know, he wakes up back in his hotel room, just the same as he had the, the previous mornings, you know, 6am. So, so he's kind of excited. He's like, he's like, wait a minute, I got away with doing all that stuff last, last night. And uh, Phil's a pretty selfish person. So, you know, his thoughts instantly are like, well, what can I do and get away with, right? I get to, I'm reliving this day. Let's, <laughs> let's, you know, I'm going to do all, all the selfish things, you know, everything that I wanted to do. So he, he kind of, you know, runs down out of the hotel, he uh, kisses the lady at the bed and breakfast he punches ned when ned comes up to him um right. and then you know he takes takes rita back to the to the diner there to kind of talk to her but he's you know he's has like ordered one of everything on the menu and he's just there you it's know, exactly what i would do just so we're yeah. clear yeah making a making a complete uh kind of slob of himself and she's like don't you worry about you know heart disease or any of these things and he's like i don't worry about anything anymore <laughs> i stopped I stopped for it. And he's shoving like Danish in his mouth. And the cool thing about this diner actually is it was a set. Um, I think it's called the Tip Top Diner or the Tip Top Cafe. Okay. And it actually stayed um, in oh. uh, Woodstock, Illinois. So now it is a chicken shack of some kind. But it, if oh. you ever wanted to go eat there, you could. Um, I don't know if they're served Danish, though. So, you know, you might be yeah. on your own there. But um, it's, uh, it's pretty funny because he's just shoving food in his mouth. And then he stops and he kind of walks around 
uh, and sees um, a very pretty young lady. And I think her name is Nancy Taylor. And he learns a few things about her. He just kind of sits down and he says, you know, hey, what's your name? Where did you go to high school? Who was your senior English teacher? He just finds out a couple of things and she's taken aback, but she answers him, mm-hmm. which you should never do, ladies, because that's weird. Don't do that. So <laughs> she does that. And then he leaves her alone for the rest, rest of the day. And then, you know, the next day he finds her and he's like, Nancy, Nancy mm-hmm. Taylor from Lincoln High. I, mm-hmm. I sat next to you in Mrs. Hennigan's class, and it's a total ruse because he just wants to get laid. Yeah, he'd uh, she told him at the diner that she was at the festivities, you know, earlier that day. So the next morning when he wakes up, he goes, you know, to to the Groundhog Day celebration, and you know, just happens to run into her, and you know, tells her all of these things, and then uh, throws out a humble brag. You know, he's like, "Oh, I've got to, I got to go do the news. I'm fancy news reporter now." and you know, it must work because uh, she ends up uh, going off with them that night. So, yeah, but while they're like in their passionate embrace, he actually says read his name like twice, mm-hmm. which is the first time you really think that he's kind of got a little crush on Rita. And maybe the reason why he was he's been such a jerk and standoffish is because he likes her and he doesn't really know how to just be a nice guy, which is sad. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? right. Yeah, he's definitely definitely looking at it as to what he's able to get away with right he's not not looking at things like I should I should be nice and Rita would like me he's like how can I can I game this uh 6 a.m wake-up call yeah you know it's work in my favor yeah I mean the next montage is him kind of figure you know trying to get all of this stuff out of his system where it's like if I could do anything at all what would I do so like he steals money from an armored truck um he finds a a girl to dress up with him he dresses up like a cowboy she dresses like a maid no one else is dressed up but they're gonna go look at watch Heidi too Mm -hmm. yep which at at this really beautiful looking old-timey theater and you know he's just kind of doing whatever he wants because I mean what are they gonna do you know (laughs) I can't believe he can't get an MRI but he can get a cowboy costume that's what they have, I guess, in Punxsutawney cowboy shops. But yeah, so he's, you know, going through, he's kind of just, you know, exhausting all of all of the adventures he can have in a day, right? Like he's just seeing what he can get away with. So uh, finally decides it's time to make his move on Rita. So they go, he asks her to the diner and he asks her, you know, what she would do if she had one day, you know, what do you want to do with life? And it kind of kind of evolves into this kind of where they're getting to know each other a little bit more and she's Mm -hmm. starting to kind of see him as a person so so he goes out he breaks the van because he doesn't want them to to try to leave so he gets this whole night with her right instead of them trying to trying to drive back to Pittsburgh and that's kind of when uh, you see him starting on their dates Um, yeah invites her to the uh to the hotel bar and uh, finds out her her uh, favorite drink order right right sweet sweet vermouth rocks twist Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it actually made him think of Rome or if she had said that at one point and he kind of plays off, but that is a line that he says every time they have this, they kind of redo this date. And, you know, at first he's like, let's drink to the groundhog. And she's like, well, I always say a prayer and drink to world peace. And so the next time he knows to drink to world peace. And he does a couple of things. Like he takes her to this chocolate shop and he finds out that she likes chocolate, but not white chocolate. Mm -hmm. So he's kind of making these mental notes, but again, he's not doing it because he 
wants to get to know her, it's because at the end of the day, he just kind of wants to, to, to sleep with her is what it feels like. Right. right. She says certain things like she, they're at a German restaurant and they're talking about what they wanted to do and where they've been. And she mentions that she studied 19th century French poetry. And the first time he hears that he laughs out loud and it's like, what a waste of time. And then realizes that was not the right thing to say, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, the next date he recites French poetry to her in, in an effort to, you know, impress her. Yeah, that's right. It's through this montage, you know, it kind of it kind of just picks up on these parts of the date. So, you know, you get the feeling they've probably been on this date, you know, now 20, 25, uh, 30 times. But um, kind of kind of finally then on the last date, they're outside, they're building a snowman. Some uh, some kids from town come up and, you know, start like a little impromptu snowball fight with them. And they both kind of fall in the snow and have a little moment there and they're kind of dancing in this gazebo and they go back to uh, his uh, bed and breakfast and they kiss, you know, Phil's, you know, excited. He's like, he's like, all right, let's, you know, let's do this thing. But Rita's like, no, we're, we're moving a little bit too fast um, and things. And yeah, he kind of, he kind of tips his hand a little bit, you know, he's like, oh, it's, this was, this was your perfect date. I don't understand. And, and she kind of, you know, picks up on it and she's like, that doesn't sound right. So she ends up uh, slapping him and, and walking out and then we get a montage of uh, lots more slaps as he tries to lots of slaps get, get this date going a little quicker so he kind of he kind of peaked there and you know and trying to uh to figure it out he you know kind of two steps backwards sort of a thing yeah yeah it was really there was a moment within that whole kind of montage where after the snowball fight they kind of dance and the snow is falling and they're under this gazebo and Ray Charles sings uh you don't know me and it's really beautiful it's 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 very romantic but that Mm -hmm. that was part where you see he kind of quit thinking about what he wanted and just kind of enjoyed the moment and i think that that's maybe you know one of the lessons that he has to learn throughout this whole thing right Um, because it's then that it feels real and that's when she's like oh it's such a perfect day right Mm -hmm. so yeah he gets slapped a lot and he 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 hates his 6 a.m alarm clock i mean there's a bunch of montages where he's hitting it with a hammer he's throwing it out the window Mm -hmm. um i mean gosh poor guy 6 a.m for i don't know how many days in a row that sucks yeah when you went to sleep the night before yeah after he after he kind of strikes out with Rita and he realizes that that's never going to happen that's kind of when the kind of his depression starts to set in uh with the alarm clock he's you just see him you know kind of he's sitting in like a bathrobe uh drinking you know whiskey from the bottle just answering jeopardy questions much to the amazement of all of the uh people there at the bed and breakfast um you know just you know being super even grumpier than normal when they're when he's doing his news broadcast like you said he's breaking the alarm clock smashing it with the hammer hitting it with his right fist all these things um and you know he's kind of at his wits end with it so uh what's what's a man to do when he's uh in the corner of waking up 6 a.m every day you steal the groundhog so (laughs) yeah i think i think it finally you know rita's picking up on it and larry during the days right even though they don't have any idea what's going on she's like oh i'm I'm kind of worried about him and he's like ah Hmm. he's fine larry's uh, you know larry's throwing it off he's like it's fine but yeah he kidnaps (laughs) 
the groundhog, he's like, maybe that's what I need to do to get out of here because no magical person or fairy comes down and says, this is the deal, dude. You have to learn this lesson or you have to steal a key or you have to, you know, kiss the princess, nothing, right? He has mm-hmm. no idea why this is happening to him. Um, right. So yeah, so he kidnaps uh, Punxsutawney Phil and there's this really funny car chase. And, um, you know, of course, the mayor, a.k.a. Bill Murray's brother, is like, you know, we're going to have to shoot, you know, aim high. We don't want to hurt the groundhog. And they're mm-hmm. trying to they're trying to get him to stop the car. But he ends up driving the truck off a cliff. And it's pretty funny because, I mean, as funny as it could be, I guess, it falls like flat mm-hmm. down, like totally upside down. I mean, there's no way anybody survived this ginormous cliff thing. But Larry and Rita are there to see it. And, you know, Larry is the camera guy. So he's got it on video and he says, oh, you know, he might be okay. And then it just explodes. And Larry mm-hmm. says, no, nah, you know what? He's, he's probably dead. It's fine. And so. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of when, when it starts to take a little bit of a, a darker tone, right? So he's driven the, the car off of the cliff and now, you know, he doesn't know what else to do. So you just kind of see these different scenes of, of him trying to, you know, take his own life. He gets the right because he because he still it. wakes up. Yeah, he's still waking up every day. So he, get, he gets a toaster and takes it into the bathtub. He jumps in front of like a semi truck. He he jumps from the tower of the of the hotel. But yeah, every day, you know, the alarm keeps going off at six a.m. and he keeps you know reliving this day, uh, no matter what he's what he's trying. So uh, he kind of gets to the point where where he thinks maybe he's figured it out. He's you know, back sitting at the diner with uh, Rita after the news broadcast. And he just looks at her very deadpan and he's like, I figured it out, Rita. I'm a God. And she's like, what are you You're talking about? You're not God. He's like, I'm not the God, but I'm a God. <laughs> I'm a um, God. Yeah. And so. Rita, of course, just like the very first time he tries to tell her, right? He's, she's like, you need your head examined. Not, no one is God. That is ridiculous. And he tries to convince her by telling her about every single person that is in that diner. So mm-hmm. he talks about the waitress that serves them coffee. He taught, he just grabs some random person. It looks like a random person. And he, you know, he's, he knows when there's a dish that's about to fall and break, he's got the timing perfectly. He has been there and he has learned everything about everybody in this entire group and, mm-hmm. or in this entire diner. And you can tell Rita is intrigued, but doesn't really believe it until he writes down the words that Larry is about to say. And then Larry comes up and literally she's looking at him uh, at the script that he's basically written of what Larry is saying. And so mm-hmm. she says, you know, maybe I should spend the day with you. Maybe you're not absolutely crazy. And so they hang out and they, you know, they're playing, they play yeah. with the hats. They've got that yeah, they're- hat. They're throwing a kind of a playing cards just into a hat and, you know, he's really good at it and she's not. And she's like, well, how long would you have to do this to, to get good at it? And he's like a pretty long time. Four hours, six months, four hours a day. You, you can do it. No worries. You know, mm. they're trying to, trying to, you know, stay awake and it, it goes past midnight and Rita's like, see, you're fine. I told you everything was going to be fine. And he's like, well, I never said that it happened at midnight. Um, so they, they're going to keep kind of trying to stay up, but she eventually falls asleep. Yeah, but as she does, he, well, he's reading to her and some French poetry, actually, I think, 
but then he admits that he really likes her and that he's thinks she's the nicest person he's ever met and she's always got something nice to say and she's a really good person and you can tell this is the moment this is the time when he really kind of shifts and you know the next day on his way you know he wakes up at six on his way to gobbler's knob he sees this homeless guy who we've seen in a lot of the scenes he's in the background Round of a lot of scenes and he mm. never gave the guy money he would always be like oh i don't have any today or you know find yep. somebody else to you know you're a chump right i'm not stupid um so he gives money to this homeless guy and he actually brings coffee to rita and larry for the first time and um the, you know he talks to larry he never talked to larry and mm. you know when he helps larry carry some of the equipment and it's it's really you kind of start to see him make these small changes right yeah and after the news broadcast he's going to go you see him uh, kind of in the diner there reading the some uh, french poetry books and he goes and he uh wants to start taking uh, piano lessons and uh kind of funny the piano teacher is like well i'm with a student right now can you come back tomorrow and obviously he can't come back tomorrow so he, you know, he's like, here's a thousand bucks. And you just see the, this little girl get uh, kind of, sh- you know, shuffled out the door. <laughs> yeah, she looks Piano. so sad. But yeah, so he goes in, starts to starts to learn the learn the piano. I'm sure the next day he finds the time where he doesn't have to do that. That's my story. But, you know, because he didn't know what her schedule was, you know, he learns that. And then he goes <laughs> and does, and he has the same thing. He just doesn't have to kick a kid out of their lessons. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm hoping. He also learns yep. to ice sculpt, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, as as you do. If I had unlimited time, I'd learn to ice sculpt. I'm sure everybody would. Yeah. Well, he um one night um I think maybe it was after the first piano lesson. He's kind of walking down the street, and you see the and he sees the ice sculptures there from the the Groundhog's Day celebration. So that must have inspired him to uh, start doing that because then you'll see. Larry and Rita kind of walking by and you see uh, Phil doing some ice sculpting there and um, he's back at his piano lessons. Oh, you're improving. You know, he's, he's nice to Ned when he comes up and he sees the homeless man that he'd given money to, you know, you know, the day or the day or two before. And he's, um, he's not well, he's on the, on the ground, you know, near death. And he goes over, he tries to give him, uh, you know, CPR, he takes him to the hospital, you know, he's trying, trying to save his life. I think he, might have you know just thought you know if I can save his life maybe I'll kind of save my life in there and the the nurse or the doctor at the you know the emergency room she's like you know sometimes you know people just die you can't help it there's nothing you can do about it um but he you know he really tries to you know do right by him you'd see him taking the homeless man to the to the diner you know feeding him and things but no matter what he does he still dies that day yeah yeah it's it's very it's very sad and you don't, that is one thing, you don't really see a conclusion to that. You don't know at the end kind of what he chooses, how he chooses to fit him into his kind of final day. But mm-hmm. um, the next scene is, you know, him doing this incredibly moving broadcast that, you know, other stations have their microphones kind of in this, you know, in Phil's face as he's going through and talking about the groundhog and what it really means and why why are we so you know as a society excited to know that spring is coming soon versus winter and you know all of this and 
Rita and Larry are like, this is amazing. This was a, this was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, do you want to, do you want to talk? You know, Rita asks him if he wants to spend some time with her and he says, I'd love to, but I got to go run some errands. And mm-hmm. you see him spend the rest of his day and he's almost late, but he catches a kid falling out of a tree that surely would have broken an arm or a leg. Um, mm-hmm. the, the kid never thanks him <laughs> and he's like, you never thank me. Mm-hmm. But then he goes and finds some, there's these older ladies that are in this really old car. They've got a flat. He, um, goes to fix that. They think he's just appeared out of nowhere from the motor yeah, club with the motor club. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they pop the, the tire goes flat and then instantly the car just jacks up, you know, he's just waiting there with the, uh, the jack and the spare tire ready to go. So, uh, gets them fixed up. He goes into the restaurant and the mayor, um, played by his brother again, he's, uh, he starts choking on a piece of steak. So he gives him the Heimlich maneuver you know, saves his life. And then he turns around and very coolly lights a cigarette for a woman at the table behind him, you know, so he's, he has the day planned out. He has all the good deeds, you know, that he can do in one day is he's kind of has it down to down to a schedule so he goes through yeah. and he does all these all these good deeds but while he's out doing these good deeds the you know the snowstorm came in so you know larry and and Rita are stuck there so you see uh larry and uh nancy the uh, young woman that that phil had uh made his move on earlier there and they're getting drinks you know down at the hotel bar and then and then rita comes in um, you know, trying to find out, you know, what's going on. And we find out that there's a party going on. We do. And, you know, Larry's really trying to mack on Nancy. She's not really interested. She's not having it. Um, mm. You know, and Rita makes a comment about, hey, you know, I'm. I, let's see if we can get a hold of Phil and ask him to join us. And Nancy's like, oh, Phil Connors? He's already in there, I think. And so Rita walks into like the main party area and there's a stage and a band and Phil is there and he is playing some kick-ass piano and Mm -hmm. his teacher who has only been his teacher for one day is like right front and center clapping, you know, cheering him on. And Rita is just amazed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so at the end of this, you know, very bluesy jazzy song, they go ahead and have a dance and you know, while they're dancing, tons of people come up to thank him. So Debbie and Fred, who's a couple that are sitting in the diner every time Phil tries to tell Rita that he is a god or that, you know, he's living this day over and over. They had Mm -hmm. gotten married earlier that day and they show up. And actually Fred's played by Michael Shannon. It's his very first role, I think, right? Mm-hmm. He did. He had done like a TV, a small part in a TV movie prior to that. But yeah, this was his his first uh, full length film. I mean, I, he only had you know one line on it, but you know he obviously went on to have have a really nice career. He's been in a lot of good stuff. General Zod, as everyone knows, uh, really good. And Boardwalk Empire, he was just recently in Knives Out, uh, which did really well. So yeah, and they um they want to thank him because you know you find out through. Phil that they, you know, Debbie was kind of having second thoughts, but they went ahead and worked all through that and they got married. And then he gives mm-hmm. them, uh, I think it's wrestling, WrestleMania tickets. And so they're super excited and they say, thank you. And then, you know, the mayor, he comes up, his wife and him come up and say, I thank you so much for, you know, sa- saving his life. He would have choked. The old ladies are having a dance. Um, 
And they're like, oh, it's that gentleman from the motor club. How wonderful. And so, you know, Rita is hearing kind of secondhand about all these amazing things that he's done. And he's, she's just shocked, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's, she's completely taken aback by it, you know, because, you know, she's only known him, well, you know, this day, it's been the same day for her this whole time, you know, so, so she, she wakes up in the morning and she thinks he's a big jerk, but, you know, now it's the end of the day and, and he's, you know, done all these great things. He's, he's very thoughtful and stuff like that, but it's time at the party for the eligible bachelor auction. Um, so of course, you know, everyone in, everyone in town, you know, now loves Phil from his uh, day of good behavior. So, so he gets up there, you know, and Nancy and uh, one of the uh, older ladies from the the car, I think are going back and forth yeah. uh, with, with uh, bidding for him, you know, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, I think it gets up to 50 or $60. And then uh, Rita kind of holds up her, you know, pocketbook and says $339 and 88 cents. So uh, Rita wins the, wins the date with Phil. And then, you know, Larry's excited. He wants to, uh, wants to get up there. So he's going to run up and, and take his uh, crack at it, you know, hoping Nancy is going to, uh, going to put in a bid for him. But oh yeah, the enthusiasm with which he jumps on that stage is just priceless. And uh, I think he gets a whole 25 cents. Yeah, he gets, he gets one big uh, quarter. And we should mention that uh, Larry's played by uh, Chris Elliott, who's really great. Um, you know, kind of, you know, one of these uh, character actors. He's in a lot of these comedies. He's in Schitt's Creek as the, the town mayor there and things. So. Yeah, <laughs> he's great. He's so funny. Um, yeah, he, get, he, gets, uh, he gets a quarter, um, you know, and then, and then right before they're going to leave, you know, Ned, his old uh, high school friend runs in and says, oh, Phil, you bought, you bought this kind of insurance and this kind of insurance and this kind of insurance. You know, this is the, this is the best day of my life. So uh, officially everyone in the town is uh, now smitten uh, yeah. with not Punxsutawney Phil, but also uh, Pittsburgh weatherman Phil. So. Yeah. Well, and, and so they, you know, they leave the party to go and be outside where they had made tons of snowmen in the past when he was trying to kind of seduce Rita mm -hmm. but instead this time he makes an ice sculpture of her and she's like wow and you, you barely know me and he's like I I could do this with my eyes closed I've memorized you know you and right it's mm -hmm. really really touching it's not creepy it sounds creepy the way I just said it but it was not creepy when you watch it yeah. um and so he, you know, he kind of has this moment where he's like, no matter what happens, I'm really happy right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and they kiss and the snow starts to fall. And, um, you know, the next scene is 6am again. Mm -hmm. Sunny and, and Cher sunny goes chair. off. But then Rita's laying next to him in bed. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, her arms kind of uh, across his chest, you see, when he, when he wakes up. Um, and he says, says, why are you here? And she's like, well, you invited me. Was I not supposed to be here? Um, but yeah, after, after the, uh, the song goes off, the radio broadcasters come on, um, but it's a new uh, broadcast. So, you know, Phil jumps out of bed and he's like, something's different. And he goes over to the window and he looks outside and it's all snowy. You know, the townspeople aren't, you know, walking out for the, right. the celebration. Yeah. And it's worth noting, um, so the, this ending scene, actually, there was a lot of arguments about how this was supposed to go down because, you know, uh, it was unclear in the script, in the original script, if they had actually slept together or not. And okay. so um, 
Bill Murray was really wanted to portray that they did not, that, you know, he had philosophically changed. And, you know, even if he probably, if, even if he could have had the opportunity uh, Mm -hmm. to kind of seal the deal with Rita, he did not. And when you're, when you see him, he is actually in pajamas, which was a huge part of, uh, you know, a fight, I guess, that he and Harold Ramis had had because he was going to be shirtless. And he, re- he was like, that doesn't make any sense. It's, it ruins the whole right. ending, blah, blah, blah. So it is interesting because when I watched this, uh, I noticed that he's wearing these nice blue pajamas, which he was not wearing um, before. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and they kind of get up and they go outside. They're standing on the front porch and he just kind of looks at Rita and, and he's like, I love it here. We should just why let's just live here. And and you know, then it kind of kind of ends with them walking, walking up. We'll rent to picks, start. <laughs> we'll rent to start. He kind of picks her up and you know lifts her up over the uh the gate. And then you just see the movie kind of end, them walking up the snow-covered street, kind of under this uh gable. You kind of see the the cameras panned in on them. So and it's the next day for the first time in years, right? That's right. He finally made it to February the third. So um, so there's a, if you look um, online, there's some, some different things and Harold Ramis and a couple of interviews had said that he thinks that Phil probably lived this day for 10 years and then later went on to say, well, it would have been more than 10 years. It would have been like 20 to 30 years to right. be able to master all of these skills. So if you could imagine living the same day for, you know, 20, 30 years, I, ooh, that, would, that would be rough. Uh, what, what were your kind of uh, thoughts on this movie, uh, Michaela? So this is a shout out to one of my oldest and best friends, Wilbur. Wilby, if you're listening, um, I'm, I'm, I hope you like this because this was one of the only romantic comedies that he liked. And um, okay. we, were, we were young and trying to you know, build up our romantic comedy repertoire. And sure. this was uh, one of the first movies that... Um, he'd said, you know, qualifies as a romantic comedy that he liked. And I was like, well, we should watch it then. I should see it. And it's one of my favorites. I'm not a huge um, kind of formula-driven romantic comedy person. And I, mm-hmm. I thought that this was a really smart way to do it because there is romance. It is funny, but it's not the typical boy meets girl. It's right. much more layered and intelligent. I think that the balance between comedy and kind of this philosophical paradigm shifting change um, partnered with Bill Murray's, you know, flair and timing is just great. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, he is this quintessential character. He doesn't really act all that differently than he did when he was in Scrooge or when he is, you know, Peter Venkman. He's not that different. Um, He's kind of got this like lovable jerk but he's still like the best lovable jerk. I just love it. So I really loved this film and I haven't gotten tired watching it. Um, even though there are a lot of scenes that are very, very repetitious. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, Bill Murray has kind of this, kind of this dry comedic timing that, that lends itself really well. Like you could totally buy that he would be a disgruntled weatherman and you could buy that he's living this day over and over again, right? Like, I mean, if you have more, <laughs> more kind of, you know, outspoken comedic actors, like it, it wouldn't be believable, but he, but Bill Murray's kind of like 
like an everyman like he's just a little bit of a jerk yeah but he's but he's funny and he kind of you know he he says things that that people are thinking without you know being necessarily like crass about it and things so i think he, he's definitely uh believable there now in in the film they don't ever talk about why he's living this day over and over again now apparently in an early draft of the script um he was uh uh, had a voodoo hex put on him by an ex-girlfriend is is what I'd read um, oh. but but Harold Ramis kind of kind of nixed that and he decided to just leave it very very ambiguous as as to what happened I would be interested Michaela if you have any if you have any theories on on why this happened or what do you think is going on I mean I think I think that that's an interesting take on it I definitely I really like that they didn't answer that question to be honest the more I mm-hmm. watch it the more I like that you don't really know why and he has to figure it all out on his own. And it wasn't saving the person's life, which halfway through mm-hmm. the movie, the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, he's going to figure it out. And he's going to, you know, he's going to give and he's going to figure out what, you know, what's wrong with this guy and he'll survive. Right. And that's not it. It's really how to, you know, an introspection within himself. Mm-hmm. And you don't know exactly what it is but you think that it's all of the things that he's finally done that's really kind of been the key um and then it just kind of moves on and I really I kind of like it it's very it was very adult for me in that sense where sometimes you don't get to know why Mm -hmm. yeah so this came out in 93 so I would have I would have been pretty young you know kind of in my you know early teens when I would have seen it the first time um but as I've kind of watched it and just my my sensibility about things. I actually think that Phil died and that his living the day over and over again is his purgatory. Oh. And he has to sort of make amends. Um, and that's what happens at the end because he's there with Rita. It's just the two of them. Um, it's perfectly uh, uh, heavenly white outside with the snow and things. So I think, I think that that's what it, uh, wow. what's going on there. That's, that's kind of my take on it anyways. So that's yeah, definitely. Cool. Definitely some uh, some fun theories about about it out there. If you if you look online, if you like this this film, you can go down a couple of rabbit holes on it or groundhog holes, I guess we could say. Um, <laughs> well, if if anyone at home uh, listening um, has watched Groundhog Day, if you have your own theories or just kind of what your overall thoughts were on on this film or um, on Bill Murray or Harold Ramis's films, you know, let us know. Uh, you can. Uh, chat with us we're on instagram and twitter it's at drink the movies and on facebook it's facebook.com slash drink the movies and you can also find us on our website which is www.drinkthemovies.com which is where we're going to put recipes and we'll put some pictures of our uh, sweet vermouth up there so if you make one of those let us know that too uh, Michaela, why don't you tell people where they can find our podcast you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify and anywhere anchor podcasts are distributed We'd appreciate it if you subscribed. And if you like what you're hearing, leave us a five-star review because it really helps us get the Drink the Movie stuff out there. All right. And how are you doing on that sweet vermouth on ice with a twist, Michaela? Unfortunately, it's long gone. Uh, mine is too, unfortunately. But you know what? We can probably go back to the start and uh, redo some of these tomorrow. And if you don't want to do that, then we can uh, mix something up new next week. And thanks everyone for joining us. And we'll catch everyone next time on Drink Drink. The The movies. movies. That was pretty close.